This podcast is generously supported by the Jesus Bible NIV edition. With exclusive articles from Louis Giglio, John Piper, and Randy Alcorn, the Jesus Bible lifts Jesus up as the lead story of the Bible. It is available as a full study Bible, as well as available as individual Bible journals. Find out more at www.thejesusbible.com. Want to learn how to interpret and teach the entire Bible in a way that is Christ-centered and clear? Learn with us here on the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Welcome to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast, where we have conversations about Christ and all the scriptures for every church, and we're continuing our conversation uh, about Christ and judges. And so we have with me uh, today, John Aiken, as always, also Jeff Hay, who was on the last couple of episodes for Judges, and replacing Matt Caps, the true and better Matt Caps, would be Peyton Hill. Peyton's been <laughs> Peyton's been on uh, the podcast before in the past. Peyton's done work in uh, PhD work on Christ-centered interpretation. So uh, Peyton's jumping on with us. Pey- Peyton, thanks for being on, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, we're going to start with you then. We're going to look at two judges on this episode. We're going to look at Othniel and Ehud. Um, so give us just a brief overview for those in their car who don't remember Othniel. Tell us, uh, Peyton, about uh, just a little summary of, of what the scriptures cover in his life. Yeah, so Othniel is really the first judge that's put forth, and he really just follows the pattern that we see throughout the book in which in the very beginning uh, we find out in chapter 3, verse 7, that God's people are rebelling against him. They're choosing to go away from him and worship Baals and Asheroth instead. So the Lord gives them over uh, to the king of Mesopotamia who comes in and begins to subject them. The people begin to cry out. The Lord graciously hears their cries and raises up this Othniel to judge uh, and to be a military leader for them. Caleb's younger brother, we're told that the spirit of the Lord comes upon him and he is able to win victory on behalf of the people and he wins rest for the people that goes on for about 40 years. So it's it's pretty simple and uh, follows the pattern of most of the judges that we find the rest of the book. Hey, John, why don't you jump in then give the summary of Ehud as we kind of just look at the first uh, or chapters, basically three and four here. Yeah, so um, very similar again that you see that cycle we talked about um, earlier in the podcast, uh, in the previous podcast. Uh, the people of Israel, again, after Othniel dies, the people of Israel again do what's evil in the sight of the Lord. And so the Lord um, raises up Eglon, the king of Moab, who is a fat guy um, who comes in and uh, basically subjugates the uh the Israelites. Um, he he uses kind of a a, a coalition that he brings together uh, of the um, Ammonites and the Amalekites, and they defeat Israel, and they take possession of the city of Palms, um, which is Jericho. And so the first city that Israel had captured has now been taken back, and um, and so they serve him for eighteen years. This kind of he's as I, I talk about in my sermons, he's, he's kind of a job of the hut kind of figure. And then the people of Israel cry out, and the Lord raises up for them Ehud. Um, and you see this one of the themes we're going to see throughout the judges is is unlikely heroes. 
uh, Ehud. There's there's a lot of debate about um, about Ehud and about um, you know exactly why he's left-handed. That's part of the the uh, the key about him. He's a Benjaminite who is left-handed, and um, the Benjamin means uh, Benjamin means son of son of my uh, son of my right hand. I think mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mixing mixing things up here, but he's so he's son of my right hand is what Benjamin means, and um, and but he's left handed, and uh, he is the he is the one who's used just to kind of give the the, the the quick overview. He's the one who's used to sing the to send the tribute uh, tax to uh, Moab and to to Fat King Eglon, and he he creates for himself a double edged blade um, that he conceals. And um, and when he goes in to give Eglon the uh, the tribute, and then they they leave, and then he turns back at the idols near Gilgal, which may be an interesting phrase hmm. um, to dig into. But um, and he comes back and he says, "I have a I have a secret message for the king." He goes in uh, alone to uh, it says that Ehud came in. He was sitting alone in the cool roof chamber, and he said, "I have a word from God for you," and um, and then he takes the the blade and he sticks it in Eglon's belly and the fat closes over it and um and uh Eglon messes himself and then Ehud leaves by the porch and um kind of lock the doors behind him and the servants outside wait until they get embarrassed because this is an amazing story like and it's it's intentionally set up I think by the author to be a comedy like that when Israelite Children would read this; they would be giggling uh, at the misfortune of the uh, of the, the the of the Moabites uh, and Eglon, and uh, they they get embarrassed because they think he's he's like, you know, you know, Ace Ventura, do not go in there, right? And so he he goes in. Uh, so they finally go in, and while it's taken them so long, uh, the the people Ehud has escaped. He's gathered an army. And then they come back and they defeat uh, the Moabites and um, the land of Israel has rest for 80 years, uh, which is a, which is kind of a, a good long time. So that's the that's the basic storyline. Jeff, anything you'd add about Othniel or Ehud? No, I think they've summarized what happened. So that's great. Any uh, just all three of you guys, any textual issues or just kind of uh, interesting things in the text that need to be brought up before we move to Christ Center Connection? Um, I don't know any like specific textual issues. There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff going on, as we talked about um, previously. There's a lot of stuff going on in terms of like what names mean and and translation. So you have like in the Othniel, um that that they're sold into the hand of Kushan Rishathaim, uh, which which is a Hebrew phrase phrase which means double wickedness. So the mm-hmm. there he's the king of double wickedness um that they're sold into his his hand. Othniel itself uh is an is a name that means lion of God. And mm-hmm. that's I think that's um important for heard that somewhere before. Here a second. Yeah. Lion of God. And he's from the tribe of anybody know? Judah. Judah, Judah, uh, hmm. and so you have that uh, is an interesting thing in the text. You you do have, um, you know this this idea of forty years rest f- with uh, with Othniel is kind of like a reversal of the 
of the wilderness, and then you get double that with Ehud. Um, and and then again, the son of the, the son of my right hand uh, is an, is a thing. And textually, I guess it's not necessarily a textual issue; it's an interpretive issue. But there are some who who um, wonder if Ehud was crippled in his right hand that he he was handicapped uh, and therefore um, would be sent as the the person bringing the tribute because he'd be seen as less of a threat uh, to the king. That that may or may not. I mean, there's nothing. You know, that may be a bit of an exaggeration. I don't know. Uh, it, it is. There are other places in the Old Testament where the Benjaminites are left-handed people. Um, and so, you know, but that is something that people um, that people um, speculate about, I guess, would be the way to say it. Those are those are some um, of just kind of the, you know, translation type things that may help with interpretation. Peyton or Jeff, anything y'all would add there? No. So Peyton, we'll we'll start with you on Othniel. Um, kind of how did you when you preach this or work through this, how do you point Othniel to Christ and uh and yeah, we'll talk through Christ's connections of both him and Ehud. Yeah, I, I think that there's two ways. Uh I think the first way is Othniel is following this clear pattern that if you look at all the judges and he tried to find the clearest of patterns, Othniel kind of just follows that, right? So the people of God are oppressed. They're under judgment from God for worshiping false idols. They cry out to God. God raises up this spirit-anointed, spirit-empowered deliverer who comes in and does battle on their behalf. And as he wins the battle for them, they're able to enter into rest, right? So that's an obvious Christ connection. Um, and as John alluded to earlier, we're, we're given a little textual clue that Othniel is Caleb's younger brother, which we're told in Numbers that Caleb is in the tribe of Judah. So there's, mm. there's an obvious linkage to Christ. But I think another way to do it um, and in a way that I've done it when I've taught, uh, which is similar but a little bit different, is in Luke chapter 4, Jesus walks into the synagogue, as was his custom in Nazareth, and he's handed a scroll, and it happens to be a scroll from Isaiah. And when he reads it, he begins to show that he's the one that the Spirit has come upon to pr- to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the oppressed. And I think that I think that that's what we're seeing in this text, right? I mean, this king of Mesopotamia, this king of devil evil has oppressed the people. They've cried out for liberty. And obviously Othniel has delivered them. But Jesus is coming later saying that he's the real one that receives mm-hmm. the spirit. He's the one that provides a better delivery, a better rescue. He's the one that's able to perform proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so I think those are similar, but those are two ways I've done it when I've taught the text. Hmm. John or Jeff, anything y'all would add there about uh, pointing Othniel to Christ? Well, I think Othniel is pretty much set up as the model Mm. judge, isn't he? Uh, The perfect one, so to speak. Uh, No flaws. Other ones have got some sort of flaws highlighted in, in some way. Whereas he's, this is the first one from the tribe of Judah. He, he marries a, he doesn't marry a Canaanite woman. He, uh, from going back to chapter one from one of his own people. So he is the model judge that sets it all up, pointing forward to the, the perfect rescuer Jesus. So, uh, and all the other ways that each judge does point to Jesus. I think it's, whether we bring it up this time, I think it is tricky that we don't 
sound the same every week when you're going through each judge. So mm -hmm. uh, whenever I was doing these, I, I would make sure right off nail will be I'll focus on this aspect and the next judge, another aspect of Christ. Uh, so the Othniel one, instead of just the general deliverer spirit comes along, I would go with, he is the perfect example that points to, to Christ uh, in that way. This podcast is generously supported by the Jesus Bible NIV edition. Zonovan Bibles has partnered with the Passion Movement to bring you an accessible study Bible with features designed to help you meet Jesus throughout the scripture. With over 1,000 articles and essays written by contributors like Louis Giglio, John Piper, and Randy Alcorn, this study Bible is written so that you may know him more intimately, love him more passionately, and walk with him more faithfully. The full Jesus Bible has been changing lives since 2017. And now, select books of the Jesus Bible are available as individual Bible journals. The handy size and ample space for taking notes make these Bible journals an ideal one for group study or personal devotions. Chronicle your own journey of faith as you discover Jesus as the lead story of the Bible in five Old Testament books and nine New Testament books. There was never a moment before Him. There will never be a moment without Him. There is no BC. Find out more at thejesusbible.com. Hmm. Good. John? So one, I want to echo Jeff's concern, although I do think you obviously do have different aspects of things with each, with mm -hmm. each guy, but you could, you could do the same rote thing over and over. And so what I, what I did when I preached is I actually made this part of my introduction message. I, I paired this with the cycle and then used him as the perfect paradigm of the cycle uh, to, to Jeff's point. And so that, that was kind of setting up and then I'll, I'll get it, look at the other aspects of the different judges afterwards, but I, you know, it was very similar to what both have said. Uh, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, you, you do have the, the kind of the love story, the Ephesians five connection where he fights to win this bride. Right. And then now um, it, we see in earlier texts that he's a great warrior who's defeated giants. Um, he's the line of God from the tribe of Judah. Um, and he, um, he comes in and, and rescues the people. I also um, do a little bit of, biblical theology within the old Testament when I've, when I've done this before that, that Mesopotamia, this is foreshadowing in some ways that because of idolatry, the people of Israel are ultimately going to be given into the hand of powers from the East in Mesopotamia, the Assyrian empire, the Babylonian empire, uh, there's going to be exile and, um, you know, they're going to need to be rescued from exile. And that's what ultimately the Messiah does. Um, we see from prophecy from Daniel nine and then, and then obviously the ministry of Jesus. Uh, and so I, that was another uh, like little bit of, you know, slightly different angle that I, that I came at mm. um, just in addition to what, what these brothers have already mentioned. Peyton, Jeff, uh, things you'd add as far as Christ connections. Um, so, sorry, we'll, sorry, we'll jump from there hey, to Ehud. Nate, and, I, uh, yeah. Nate, let me throw out yeah. one thing. So I think, I think that it's always really good as expository Christ Center preachers to be thinking about offering variety week after week after week. But I also think that for those guys that are listening that may be just trying to begin this, maybe in a Sunday school class or a small group or preaching, you know, they're in the first year or two of their ministry and they're following someone that maybe wasn't committed to a weekly Christ Center exposition. I think that Judges provides a really 
good pattern of how you could preach Christ in somewhat the same way every week. And for people that aren't used to that, I, I think that it's still going to sound new to them. So even though mm. I think looking for variety is helpful, I think sometimes getting to Christ the yeah, same way every word. week, I think sometimes it teaches your people that you're not doing something because you know Greek or Hebrew or because you know you know what these names mean, but you're actually providing a pattern that they can look for in their own devotional reading or in teaching. And so I, I just don't want anyone to freak out like, ah, I didn't see these other connections, but I saw the big one. I think sometimes it's okay. And, and they should be they should feel the liberty to to do that each week. And, and and sometimes our application is simply that. Look how wonderful Jesus is. Mm-hmm. You should want to look like him. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and so there obviously there is we would nuance that in different ways, but part of the way we become like Jesus is just by seeing him. Yeah, that's right. And so um yeah. Mm-hmm. So John, you were gonna say something? Yeah, I was just gonna piggyback on that because uh, yeah, I know Jeff had mentioned er- uh, in our earlier episode about Dale Ralph Davis and we all, all, all of us on the thing, it said, this is a great um, commentary. And one of the things that he says in the Gideon, in, in the section where he's talking about Gideon, which we'll look at in the, in the next couple of weeks, but he says like, you can get, you can get all trapped in the details of what's going on here of like who lapped up like a dog and like all, all that stuff. And he says, you, I love this phrase and I use it all the time. You miss the big E on the eye chart, <laughs> which is that God rescues his people. <laughs> And to, to the Peyton's point, I think, yeah, every week you're going to have to, you need to get the big E on the eye chart for sure. Hmm. John, right back to you then. Let's let's talk about Ehud and how, how you showed he, that, that he pointed to Christ. And, and then I'll jump to Peyton and Jeff as well. Yeah, I mean, you've got a guy who is wielding a two-edged sword or blade that he calls a word from God that he uses to strike down the enemies of God's people. And to rescue them. And so that, that's, um, that's how, that's one of the ways that I, uh, again, I, I start tracing unlikely saviors. Okay. Cause being left-handed was a stigma in the ancient world. Um, and so he's not, he's not somebody who would have been seen as a likely hero. Um, and so you have this unlikely hero, uh, who wields the double-edged word from God and, um, strikes down uh, the people, uh, strikes down the enemies and rescues the people from their, from their uh, enemies. And um, I point to uh, multiple things. You got, you have Jesus, you know, at the end of the age, double-edged sword out of his mouth, that's going to strike down the nations and, and now that salvation um, belongs to our God. I mean, this is all revelation 19. Um, And so I make, so I make that connection and then, and then within um, within the Old Testament, and again, still kind of pointing pointing us to Christ. You, ha- I, I'm looking at Moab. Um, Moab is is uh, one of the quintessential enemies of God uh, of God's people in the Old Testament. And you have these uh, prophecies. You have so I'll trace the prophecy. One, you have a prophecy in Genesis three. That God that God says the Messiah is going to crush the head of the serpent, and then you have um, Numbers twenty four. Uh, a scepter will arise from Israel. He will smash the forehead of Moab and strike down uh, all the Shethites. And um, and so I, I talk about how this is a this is an early example of God striking down the head of Moab, uh, who is King Eglon, and um, and so he's he's the savior that that crushes the the political head of 
of Moab. And this is a, a type of what we see God doing that it's ultimately going to be fulfilled in Christ. Jeff, what would you add there as far as how, when you preached through Ehud? I went with the unlikely rescuer, because uh, he is called the deliverer, despite all the interesting details, uh, which it, it brings salvation. Uh, so I went through, because of that, this unlikely rescuer that brings salvation. And as was mentioned, I think, by John in the text, this is meant to bring a little bit of humor. Uh, and. It should bring joy, and and salvation leads to joy and praise. Uh, ultimately, through Christ, I think even Ahab means, uh, I will give praise. So, the salvation and joy that comes through this unlikely rescuer pointing to to mm. Jesus. It's mm. mm. good, Peyton. Yeah, I similar to what John was saying. I I generally link this whole idea of a double-edged sword, a message from God that brings both judgment and salvation up to Hebrews, do a little biblical theology of when we're told about the double-edged sword of the Word of God, and then drive all the way to Revelation, where we're told a couple different times uh, in Revelation 1, and then later in the seven letters, that Jesus is the one with the double-edged sword um, who strikes down the nations in judgment and offers rescue to his people. So, uh, yeah, I I typically go uh, from Judges to Hebrews to Revelation and just try to show that double-edged sword theme. Um, to add variety, like what we were talking about earlier. One of, one of the things, too, I would add, Nate, is that um, I do start setting up, as Jeff said, about the unlikely uh, rescuer hero. I, I start setting that up because I'm not going to preach um, an individual sermon on Shamgar, which is the next the next verse. Mm-hmm. And so I just so I I just kind of lump Shamgar in and just say, well, this is this is going to be a theme we see that God uses unlikely people and unlikely implements Mm. to rescue his people. And Mm. so he's going to use farmers and he's going to use ox goes and he's going to use millstones and jawbones and hammers and tent pegs. And I mean, like, um, and that points us to like a first Corinthians one, right? The foolishness of the cross um, is the wisdom of God. Um, Mm. And this is how he's shaming, shaming the world. And so, so that, that that's another thing that I kind of just bring in again to try to set up what's going to be happening throughout Judges. Yeah, and I, I think at some point, too, uh, you know, you've got to show that, hey, they go back into their sin again. <laughs> you know, like it, it's just a, that repeating downward cycle. And so I think mm. I think uh, to Jeff's point earlier, I think at some point you've got to talk about how these broken deliverers are creating this desire for one who can come and actually do what no one else can do. And so I think sometimes you're holding off on, I don't want to do it on this story. I don't want to do it on that one. But I think at some point you got to set that up. Mm-hmm. Peyton, right back to you. Uh, we'll go through just finally application um, of the text. So h- how would you apply Othniel uh, to just the here? How do, how do we make this clear that the Christ Center connection actually matters for everyday life? Yeah, so like I think it was John that said earlier, I typically teach Othniel along with introduction chapters to show this paradigm that's going to be setting up. Um, and so uh, in kind of practical application, um, I often try to set up this idea of the reality of swift and severe judgment. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I know that some people don't find that that's practical, but I think sometimes we avoid this this 
reality of judgment and then about the fact that when we humble ourselves and we cry out that God has raised up a deliverer and so this this Othniel story out of all the other judges is probably the one where I'm leaning on the judgment theme and and look to Christ as savior more than any of the other judges Hmm. Jeff or John would y'all add anything to that as far as application well in Othniel it's so short and succinct but there's one main character repeated and mentioned over and over again. It's all about the Lord. The Lord did this. They did evil against the Lord. The anger of the Lord. He sold them in. The Lord raised up the spirit of the Lord. Came. The Lord gave. It's all about the Lord. He is the main character mentioned over and over again. And so let's let's remember life is uh, God's in control. He is uh, orchestrating events, even when life is a mess, uh, and raising up his rescuer. So, uh, and hearing our cry. So it was very much wanted to emphasize: we need the Lord, the Spirit, to do all the work. It's all about Him. This podcast is generously sponsored by the Pillar Network. The Pillar Network is a community of SBC and International Baptist churches that are doctrinally aligned missionally driven and committed to equipping, planting, and revitalizing churches together. If you're a pastor of an established church and you're desiring to lead your congregation to plant churches, but you're not sure how to get started, Pillar could be a great resource for you. Reach out to them today at thepillarnetwork.com. Thepillarnetwork.com. That's good. John? So this is, because I did put it with the, with the, um, introduction, I, to to Peyton, what Peyton mentioned earlier, I, I do bring this up here is that this is, um, you know, it, it doesn't last um, for the people. And so there's this uh, this need for continual repentance. I mean, we, we've we got God is incredibly patient, merciful. And I, and I address too what we addressed in some of the in the introductory episodes that um, there's this question each time we go through this cycle of is the cry out from the people a cry of repentance, like of genuine repentance, or is it merely a, I don't like the circumstances that my sin has got me in. Can you please get me out? Like, is it a genuine hatred of your sin or is it just a don't like your consequences kind of a thing? And so I, I just use that to talk about, I don't know. The text doesn't necessarily tell us that in every single instance, but I, I would say, I just make that application point to my people is just, Hey, there are times when we try to equate repentance with merely not liking the consequences of what's happening to us. And that's not that's not what repentance is. Repentance is an agreement with God that that you that this is wrong and that you are grieved by it mm-hmm. uh, despite the circumstances. And mm-hmm. so I so I just but I do talk about we need a just like them we need we need a true savior who's going to actually be able to lead us to walk in faithfulness through continual repentance, genuine repentance. Um, you know that's that's not just something that lasts for a couple of days while things are good and then goes bad again. Right back to you, John. So application from Ehud. So a couple of different things I did with Ehud. So, so I think that, so one, I, I really mentioned and, and went after idolatry because idolatry seems to be, again, we, I think we see in the, um, in the introduction, the site, when the, when chapter two gives us the cycle that, that idolatry is the sin that sets this off, but it's, it's mentioned twice. Um, at least there's two interesting places in verse 19 and verse 16, where it talks about the idols near Gilgal, and then he he passed beyond the idols. 
Um, and so I don't, I think it's very possible that they started worshiping Moabite gods uh, and thus were given into the hands of the Moabites. And if that's true, I mean, I just, I, again, I don't make this definitive, but that's true. Uh, Chemosh, who was the god of the Moabites, demanded child sacrifice. So I, I make some abortion connections there uh, and just culture and the way the culture um, doesn't value children. Uh, and, I, and I would do that. I would do that now. Like, so one of the things that we, somebody sent me a tweet today. It was interesting um, that in the U S I mean, obviously there's a pandemic and those kind of things, but um, in the U S in 2020, for the first time, the birth rate fell below the death rate. Um, and so that's just an interesting thing to think about. But so anyways, so I, I talk about just idolatry and, you know, what is it that our hearts substitute uh, something or someone other than God is first in our lives and, and make some, make some application there. Um, and then I do, I end with, uh, on this word theme, um, talking about the word of God and, um, you know, how this is mainly, I, I preach this again, I preach this once in, in chapel at Southern, I preach this, um, for Peyton's installation service at his church, which is, I don't know how many times Eglon and Ehud have been preached in a yeah, in I'm, installation I'm, I'm pretty sure zero until then one now. <laughs> hey, like being in first place. Um, so none of my sports teams are. Um, so, but, but I, what I talk about is that the word, you know, like if you, as you're tracing this theme, the word is our only weapon in the, in the, in the same way that, that, um, you know, that there was physical warfare in the old Testament. And as Jeff said, that those are ethical questions we've got to answer about this series. We we don't fight against flesh and blood. We mm. we fight against principalities and powers. And the only weapon that we have is the word of God. That's the the only offensive weapon, right? As you think about, there there are defensive uh, things that we have as shields and, and and different things. But the offensive weapon that we have is the word of God. And so, um, seeing the word of God is what penetrates darkness. The word of God is what uh, fights against evil. Um, and so that's why we need to know our Bibles and. Um, and so I, I do a lot there. And then, and then I also talk about in the spiritual warfare that we have, uh, again, using this theme uh, of needing a savior is what you see in this story, very similar to the David and Goliath story, is that the army fights against Moab after Ehud has crushed the head of Eglon, you know, has crushed the head mm-hmm. of Moab, the king. And so they fight from victory and they, and they receive rest. And so that's, that's good news for us is that we're fighting out of the victory that we have in Christ, not to gain victory. And so that's, those are some of the things that I um, try to do in terms of ac- application and Ehud. Peyton or Jeff, anything y'all would add as far as application uh, to your people from Ehud? Well, I brought in, I'm going to say the context that 18 years of suffering and mass uh so and difficulties and with the text does seem to be highlighting uh you know the the joy that needs to come this is a a, a, a marvelous story of, of rescue that is to make people laugh and it's got the longest years of rest i think the 80 years uh, of blessing and rest so in whatever struggles people are going through there will be joy uh and one mm. day uh, and laughter in the end, when the enemy's finally defeated, so brought up the the future hope uh, of rest, 
uh, because of the uniqueness of this one and the the joy that salvation brings. Because this story is funny that they would have been telling everybody Mm -hmm. and recounting over and over again. And so we need to delight and remember Mm -hmm. the joy uh, that we have despite the difficulties. Mm. Good. Peyton? Yeah, I, I mean, similar to what both these guys have said, um, I I think that you can get kind of lost in making every judge a type of Christ, and I would argue that they are. Um, but if you do want to add variety, and, and particularly if you're going to do like a multi-week uh, series through this, I think that you can almost present the deliverer as a type of a word of God wielding Bible teacher, Bible preacher, pastor, similar to what John was saying, and and use the funny elements of the text to talk about how God's word really it really is exciting and how we have the wonderful privilege and opportunity to break it open week after week and even in counseling appointments throughout the week. And that that we bring forth both judgment uh, people judge in their sins, but also that that we can offer the rest that's found through the Word in Christ. And so, um, I, I, when I've taught this before, I did not use the "Hey, let's go Ehud straight to Christ." Though you obviously can, I chose to go with the Word of God theme, um, and in so doing presented pastors, Bible teachers, Sunday school teachers in my context as people who wield the sword and can bring about judgment and salvation through faithfulness and can ultimately offer rest. Mm, It's good. Yeah. So I I definitely would um, uh, affirm what Peyton's saying. And I do think, so again, when I've, when I've taught this, I do, I do talk about how like with your lost neighbor, with your youth group, within your counseling session, the only weapon that you have um, is the word of God and it does bring life and it brings death. Um, and so I've talked about that. And I do want to affirm to what Jeff said. I think, I think it's important and we're going to see this, um, in some ways, even next week with Deborah and Merrick, um, there are multiple places in judges where these, these funny, like it's a comedy. And you think about comedy in the classical sense means it's a, it, it's a happy ending, right? That this is a happy ending. And I do think there at some level, the New Testament is presenting this same thing to us in, in terms of our salvation. Like Satan moves Judas to hand Jesus over to the people and thinks that he's gaining the victory by Jesus being handed over to be crucified. And yet that's what ends up crushing his head. Like that's, mm. we're going to, we're going to see this, this kind of irony. There's a lot of irony in the book of judges. We'll see with Gideon and other, mm. um, in other places, but uh, the, the gospel is also a comedy. The gospel is a, is, is an irony. Uh, of how uh, our salvation has has been uh, accomplished, and so that should cause us to smile, be happy, be joyful, <laughs> praise God um, for the way He works. And that that is clearly in this text. All you got to do is, whenever you preach this text, I'd encourage people to preach it, but read it yourself as well out loud <laughs> to the congregation, because even reading it will put a smile on the people's faces. <laughs> so there's a point in that, you know. Uh, this is yeah. uh, going to be good news, a uh, wonderful rescue. So, yeah, preach it. Good place to stop. So next week we will look at Deborah and Barrick uh, and continue our conversation in Judges. And so we uh, thank you for listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Thank you. 
for listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or text you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com and please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources. Thank you.